Hello again, everybody. What's going on? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. Another episode. Here it is. This one is with Drew Templeton, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been around a circuit for a long, long time now. Um, back with his boys on Infamous. We had a really good conversation at World Cup. Um, you know, it, it's really good to see him playing at the uh, the highest level still. Uh, kid's got great skill, man. It's it's it was really enjoyable watching him. Uh, you know, meeting him on Avalanche and then hearing his story, how he was he played on Tipman Effect and and uh, coming through and then playing again with him on on Chicago Aftershock. It was it was really cool and uh, just a really good dude, man. Um, solid paintball player and just all around good person. But uh, but before we get into the podcast, a quick thank you to our sponsors. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Carbon Paintball. Uh, which has the new CC line that is out. We have gloves, pants, there's jerseys, there's packs, and you can find it all over at carbonpaintball.com. And if you type in the promo code, capital T-P-O-P, you can get 10% off your entire order. So make sure you use that promo code and, uh, and you can get 10% off your order. So, uh, so thank you to Carbon. Also brought to you by Planet Eclipse. Uh, who has released the uh, GMEC frame? I, th- I don't even know if that's what officially what they call it, but uh, but it's the the GMEC frame. It's the it's a mechanical frame for the uh, the GTEC, and it's nasty. It's so sweet. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on one. I'm gonna be using that thing all the time. But um, but along with that, they have a plethora of uh, of awesome high-end markers over at planeteclipse.com as well as uh, soft goods and everything you need planet so uh, thank you very much to planet eclipse we are also brought to you by charm city paintball uh, who has collaborated with me on uh, on some pack bands some high quality um, uh, bands for your pack Uh, you can message me about those but um, if you if you look over at charm city paintball on facebook or instagram and uh, and check out all of the fabrics that he has. They're all limited quantity. They're all high quality. Um, they're it, you know the best stitching in the game, and they stay together. The pack bands we have is a ripstop material. It's it's all high quality stuff. It's it's really good. Uh, make sure you check him out, Charm City Paintball, and uh, and go ahead and shoot him a a, a message and get yourself some uh, some headgear. It's sweet. Um, and we are also brought to you by uh, GI Sports. Who uh, who supplies Aftershock with some awesome pants, uh, with a loader, with great packs. Uh, but I specifically like talking about the LVL loader. Uh, that thing is is very cool. I've shot a lot of loaders over the years, and this one um, in particular is is really cool. The way it the way it breaks down and tears down and and clean up super easy, and um, it's just an all around good loader. It's it's super sturdy. Um, I just I can't say enough good things about it. I've I've really been impressed by it ever since uh, ever since it came out. But uh, but thank you to GI Sports for uh, for supporting this podcast and uh, really appreciate it. So thank you to all of our sponsors. So uh, without further ado, here is the uh, the episode with Drew Templeton. Enjoy. Right. 
we go. We're live. We are. What's up, Drewby? Not much. How are you? Dude, same old, same old. Paintball, new uh, new World Cup. I was just talking to Dalton yesterday, and we were talking about how uh, how old we were, because this is uh, like the 12th World Cup or 13th World Cup we've been to. I don't know. You come to this little part of town, and you feel like you live here, because you know where everything's at. You know where to turn. You're like, I don't need directions. I know, mm-hmm. where, I know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's a... I think it's the, the, the better venue of the year. Yeah. I mean, not only the nostalgia of World Cup, but um, just the venue itself, having the, the, the giant Gaylord Palms Hotel in the background, and, you know, everybody being able to see the uh, the layout of, of the paintball event on the highways and yeah. all that. And Much better location. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now just because um, we've been on a few teams together. Yeah. And um, I kind of want to see where you came from. I knew you grew up in the Chicago area right. and around Aftershock and uh, around all those teams. And but how did that? How did paintball come about? How did your whole paintball career start? Uh, it started, you know, at the very beginning. Um, I was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I lived there until high school, and that's the first place I ever played paintball. Was at T Square Paintball. It's like right outside Little Rock. So mm-hmm. I like just started playing. Right, wasn't really into it that much. And then we moved to Columbus, Ohio, when I was in high school, and that's when I started really like. Which I never knew about. Yeah, I know. I had no idea about that. It's actually kind of a funny story how we kind of went full circle at at almost the same camps and didn't really even realize it. Um, Yeah. But played at Splatter Park there. That was my first, uh, you know, going every weekend kind of vibe, right? I played, you know, five man, then went to my first, uh, like, MPPL Chicago event, saw the 10 man. I was like, I want to do that. That looks awesome. (laughs) So started playing uh, 10 man with the team there. And then basically at the end. So of how do you, well? How did you dis, like discover? Like where did where did paintball in your life? Like where did paintball come in at, um, at that area? As far as like just falling in love with the sport. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was the the very first time I played. It was me and my friend um, versus my dad, and I just remember it was this school field, and I like break out. And I have I'm just like scared, right? And, yeah. Like, I don't see him. I'm like, oh, where is he? And then I just, I'm popping my head out, and I don't even see him. And we're playing with, like, the Stingray, like, the little plastic guns, basically. And he one-balls me in the face. <laughs> and I'm, like, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that's actually a really good shot. Yeah. With this rental gun all the way across the field. You one-balled me in the face. And I was just like... Did he tell you to get out, Toy? Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I didn't even see him, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like, okay, this is, this is kind of fun. And then we started teaming up together, and we were playing the guys at the field. And I just... It was just so much fun. I mean, the first time I played, I was a little scared, right? You're just yeah. like, oh, I'm out, I'm out. Actually, no, yep. I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, but it was, you know, and and I think it was like at school, there was some, some of my friends, we all got into it at the same time. So it was something that we did, right? We had the APG magazines at the lunch table and the girls were at the other table and we're like, no, nah, we're looking at the paintball magazines and we're going to talk about paintball because we're going yeah. this weekend, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I fell in love with the sport, right? So was that your, was that your dad? dad's first time playing your first time playing or it was, was it was our yeah first time playing so and i actually had like this this vision too of like uh i remember the team the family and i'm like oh we can all play together my dad's like, <laughs> uh, i think he kind of he kind of phased out of it but yeah we all had all the you know all of all of my friends we love to play so mm-hmm. it's cool now you grew up with uh with, with sos correct uh yeah so actually so at the end of columbus ohio my family moved to st louis and that's when i went to school at university of missouri which is in the middle of the missouri right um, and the only place to play, I mean, so I played in St. Louis all the time. There was an indoor there when I just moved there, which was great because a, a lot of teams and players played there. But as far as, like, being competitive, it wasn't really, like, the number one spot. So yeah. um, I, I met Brock Jolliff in St. Louis, and he kind of, you know, guided me towards trying out for Diesel, which was Greg Pauly's team at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so drove to Nebraska, tried out for Diesel, and then that was basic. That was really my one of my first main competitive teams. Is that when uh, Tilljack and all them, or am I thinking of no, a different team? Tilljack was on Dynasty at that point. Um, it was basically the year after. So that's they, late. Okay, so yeah. that was later. All right, it was later. Um, it was when they played. It was after they played Seven Man. They only played D One X Ball at the time. Um, so it was like me, JJ Williams was actually on the team. Really, uh, Tim Jenkins, Brock Jolly. Well, yeah, JJ's yeah. from St. Louis. Yep. Um, right. So a lot of the guys uh, that are still in the industry, Ben Frederick from Exalt was on the team. Um, Roger so was Roger. Roger, Roger Hen, Roger and Gerwin were on the team. So that was like uh, like really one of the first uh, competitive teams. And then you know in Ohio, I did play you know one event with Tipman Effect before I moved. And that was kind of my Tipman Effect yeah. story because you always kind of look up. There's a few teams in Ohio. There's you know Detroit Fusion, Tipman Effect. Uh, there was a few amateur teams like I don't know G Force and all these other teams mm. you could have played on. Uh, but then I moved and I was kind of like, ugh. I felt like I caught my stride. Ohio paintball seemed good, and then St. Yeah. Louis, everything just kind of happened at the right time, right? Brock got me on Diesel, and then that was that was when I started traveling to Chicago. You started taking it pretty serious. Yeah, and basically lived in St. Louis, and I would after work on Friday, I would drive basically five hours to Chicago, practice, um, and then that's when I met the Voltage guys. So scenes. Um, drive to their house an hour and a half away, drive back to Badlands, drive from Badlands home, repeat, mm-hmm. right? So Now, a lot of the I, – I don't really know the history of, uh, of Voltage, but are, are, was a lot of those guys the ones that played for Shock? Um, for yeah, they were. Uh, so Josh Yost, I forgot to mention him. He actually played on Shock for a few years. He was on Diesel with us, and he said – it was that World Cup. He's like, I'm going to go watch uh, my buddies play. They're on this team, Voltage. I'm like, okay, cool. We went uh, – that tournament, it was – a lot of the original Voltage guys, Damian Ryan was on the team that tournament. He was one of the, he was he played with the Voltage guys, and uh, the, sort of the history of them is they came up you know as a family together. Like the Sosines, uh, Mike Sosine, Randall, uh, Chris and Greg, their friends you know Mike Morley, Joe Tomati, like all these guys played together on different five man teams and yeah. kind of kind of came together as Voltage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the off season of 0506 is when we all kind of came together and played D2 X ball and D1 seven man. So that's awesome. Yeah, and it was cool because it was I mean, it really was like a family. I mean, Randall was there every single practice. He was basically he was like the team owner. He had us all together. And these guys, Mikey lived two doors down from from so so these guys were like best friends in school. It was mm-hmm. so it was really kind of cool to see them stay together the voltage was pretty successful as a divisional team, yeah i mean you know? that year um it's sort of like it's looking back on it it was almost kind of a, a blessing in disguise but we had i think we had second place in x ball we won vegas which was like the second event and yeah. then i think we had second places in in seven man and x ball which was like every other month at the time i think we had five or six in a row Jeez. um so it was we we had a really successful season but we had some really heartbreaking second places. So D1 X Ball, it was to either Aftermath or X Factor. Yeah. And uh, Speed at the time, which is like RNT or Rage, or I'm not sure what they go by now. Yeah. Um, sort of those guys. So, don't, I mean, don't you think that the way that that team chemistry was and the camaraderie that the team had yeah. attributed to those wins and those second places, those those learning curves? 100%. I mean, you almost, uh, it's something that is a great thing when you feel it on a team because you can't really force it, right? You can't just force chemistry. You're like, oh, right. we're all of a sudden going to know exactly how to play to t- with each other. We're going to be best friends and everything. But it was so cool because they already sort of had that, you know, at the local scene in Chicago. But then when we started playing a lot of national tournaments, it just clicked and you just feel this vibe. And it was a, it was a pretty special thing that year, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and honestly, that team is basically, you know, we had a, a lot of success that year in divisional. 
and that's when Ed Porman noticed us and was like, I basically want your whole squad, and you will make up half of our X-Ball team. Yeah. So, and, you know, it that was kind of the beginning of the serious paintball, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, that, that was what, 07? Yeah, 07. Or the beginning of the 07 season. Yeah. Because uh, I remember Ed, <laughs> before that, picked up all the far side guys to play yeah. on this team. This was Danny and Brandon and the far side guys. And we used to practice them. And I think Ed would get kind of pissed because we were just like <laughs> these kids. And, I mean, those guys were good, but I feel like we would, we would like, I mean, it's practice looking back, but we would like yeah. beat up on them. And Ed's like, dude, these kids are just like, <laughs> I picked up you guys to beat them. What are you doing? So I know he's the dude, Ed. Oh, man, I, I just saw him earlier in the in the event and, you know, he smiled at me. And he, it's like him and I had like a little bit of turmoil back when the team just because, uh, I don't know, if it was, probably, it was probably just communication and me being a, just a dickhead 20 year old um but uh he's a great guy man I, I think he's great for paintball i think with what he did with with the uh with warped and yeah. you know just with everything in paintball in general and and bringing us on and um and, and creating that team i think that that team was one of the one of the best teams i've, I've ever been so on too. and i think we had that same chemistry feel like when we yeah we really started clicking at the end of that season um in omaha and world cup and it mm-hmm. was just like I mean, you could count on the times, like, on your hand, how many times you got shot the whole tournament, right? Yeah. You're like, we were playing pretty good. It was nasty. It had that real family Midwest vibe to it. And I, and I think that, you know, all of us being pretty much from the Midwest. Yep. And uh, I think Brandon was from Kentucky or something like that. Yep. And so I, I think that was, man, I always think about the uh, the X-Ball tournaments and the seven-man tournaments. And it was just, we, were, we had so much potential possibly going into the next year. I know. That was... Yeah, and that was kind of a shame because we finally got that NXL spot and it just, you know, didn't click. It was very close games. It was like one, yeah. I think it was one point losses, almost all of them. And then you see teams that we beat up on in D1, like Damage and Impact, just stick with it and, and you know, have success very early. And then X Factor 2, and then look where they are now. They're still mm-hmm. in the league. They're still super competitive. You know, we could have, we, we know we had that same thing. It just didn't come together at the right time. So what do you think that, that issue was with that team? Like, why why didn't it? Why didn't it stick? I mean, I think back then it was it was even more expensive to fund a team. You had more players, entry fees were higher, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you didn't, you know, produce, there's no no one's there to just be like, okay, I'll let you guys. You have a burn rate of a couple years. It's like no, right. you have a burn rate of like one tournament. You know, yeah. producer. Yeah. Or it's done. Because I remember Ed was like, dude, I'm paying like bunch of money for entry fees i can't i it's coming out of you know my pocket there's yeah there was oh i'm sure there was tons of help from the sponsors like mm-hmm. we were kind of out of that conversation but yeah uh, you know i think that was what it basically boiled down to it just doesn't make sense to keep doing this i mean do you think at this level um do you think that the, the players should be maybe not necessarily involved in the sponsorship issues but like do you think there should start becoming you know start having some kind of contractual obligations for all the professional players on the team or do you think it's still going to be everybody's just on a handshake um i think you know i i do agree that you know i don't think we're entitled to anything as professional players you know but there are some things that you see like it's it's easier said than done right it's not like i'm just gonna run the nxl and just right. make it this huge sport because everyone's has their ideas like I almost kind of tune people out when they have their how to make paintball bigger you know spiels You're right, like, right right i heard this a thousand times but uh you know, there's, there's little things that I think, uh, I don't know, maybe we could do a little better. I mean, I love the fact that you do this free podcast. I think, you know, I think the webcast should <laughs> be free for everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, you have a pool of 6,000 people, like on a, on a subscription, it's like great, but that's 6,000 people, you could make it free on 
you know, YouTube Red or put it out there and have everybody see I think it. that's a perfect platform is something right. like YouTube Red or, right. you know, YouTube Live channel. And I get it that it's a business and you have to make money, but there's also, like, marketing expenses in every single business. Yeah. And if you have the money to have this, you know, burn rate, like a like these teams did that are now with it and now winning and don't need that pressure, then mm-hmm. there it is right there, right? You know, make it do, it, do it right, do it with people that have experience running successful broadcasts that aren't just grandfathered in because they played paintball 20 years ago like yeah and, and there i think we have we found the right mix of those people in different aspects of the industry it seems like um but do that you know blast paintball out to the audiences and you know don't say you know you have to pay for the webcast etc well think. and I, I i feel like the same thing because you know i understand everything costs money right i i, I understand that there is a production value or a production cost that goes to running that that uh, webcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's the motion cameras that are that are in the pits that I'm sure are not cheap. Um, I you know streaming it, all the all the people doing the uh, the stats. This is very low cost. Yeah, you know what I mean. But the the basis is the same, right? Getting paintball to the public, mm-hmm. not just to the paintball public, but to the general public. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is where we need to focus that webcast. Is is you know put it on you know if there's 6,000 people watching that's probably going to go up on one of maybe one of the trending uh, live webcasts that is usually up on YouTube mm-hmm. and, and I think that would help the sport out tremendously but how they're going to balance that cost to releasing it for free and how they're going to pay for it I just I don't know that answer right and I think you know as they could have content in between the events that is a little more enticing to pay for the subscription instead of just having a tournament every other month. And they do do a good job of that, but I think there's room for improvement, right? Like, I think they there's been times where they build a story with certain players or build a rivalry, and I think that's, like, one of the... definitely one of the more interesting parts of our sport that's sort of unknown. You know, yeah. it's like that in every other sport. Someone someone in a sport tweets something about one guy, and it's, like, on SportsCenter for a month. And yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that it's, it's, it's a direct one-to-one relation, but I think... That you could build content in between these events and really build up a story, mm-hmm. and that would help people, you know, maintain their subscription on whatever platform. But uh, you know, blasting it out, I don't, I don't know. If you, I think it's the right way to do it. I don't think you're gonna get a. What are you gonna advertise it and be like, hey, pay pay per month for this. You don't even know what paintball is, but by mm-hmm. the way, you know, pay per month and watch this one tournament every other month. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, I no. agree. What do you? And I, you've probably heard me say this, but what do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about the whole four pod thing? Oh, um, I think that's. I mean, it's just a different, you know, way of the game. I, I feel you like think it'll, it'll change the game. Uh, yeah, I, I, all this stuff sort of changes it, right? But everyone adapts to the you know current situation. So right. I feel like it's 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 not. The W is a perfect example. Yeah, of but it. I don't know if it's the right vision to like what because you added a W that everybody around the world is going to know what paintball is and want to watch it all of a sudden because they have four pods. All you're doing is saying, here's a W and here's four pods for the 6,000 people and everyone catch on for a year and then next year we'll change it, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think it's like, it's too it's too much of a narrow focus on how to change the game, right? So I, paintball is fun for what it is and I don't think that matters if it's 15 balls a second, 12, 10, W, four pods, right? It's the same, it's basically the same game, you know? So, well, I guess the, the whole reason why I think I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for um, the whole four pod thing is I, I believe that it will change the game. I, I think going from unlimited paint to two pods of what the Millennium was doing, I think that was too drastic of a change. Yeah. I, I think on average, uh, the average point is probably, I mean, give or take two minutes, 
something like that. And it, I, I, within that two minutes, you are probably only shooting about four pods, even if you're even if you're on you know the trigger the entire time. Yeah. I, I think that we're regular regulate relegating everything to the BPS to um, you know everything has its 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 limit. And I think limiting that paint will not only equal everybody out, but all and not being able to trade pods off like they did in the Millennium or whatever. But I think it'll also it'll, it'll force. I think it'll force moves because and and I think the um, you ever listen to the Paintball podcast, oh. Mike Mike Zaps? Oh yeah. yeah. Did you listen to the Ryan Brand and Billy one? No, I didn't hear that one. Uh, it, it's so weird. Uh, Billy and well Ryan was talking about it, and he was thinking of some kind of like. Um, a way to kind of get the pace rolling and not have these pocket plays, which are eventually found on Sunday, even if it's a fast field, it, you know, yeah. pockets are eventually found. Um, but it's like a two-minute shot clock, to where it's it's a it's like a race to seven points, but it's within a two-minute uh, two-minute time span. Mm-hmm. And I I can't remember. I'm probably butchering this, but I can't really remember how he was saying it. But it's like it's a two-minute. You either get the point or you don't. It's either a point or you don't. And it, it's this incentive of getting people to get down the field and get moving and not just to sit there. And especially if you do that in two minutes with the four pods, you either you either get the point going down and winning that buzzer or it's a no point at all kind of a thing. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other logistics that will go into it. But I, I think it's something like that that you have to, you have to try. Yeah. Speak of the devil. I know. And form it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I think that. W- I mean, that. I think ideas like that would make the game more exciting. Um, but I don't know if it's. You, know. you just don't. That's the. You, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know until we try it, and I think what is what's killing the interest of people out there is like people think of paintball. Okay, all right, running around, and that's the first thing you think about running around shooting people in the woods, right? But the yeah. first thing normally they say, oh, you run around in the woods and you shoot people. Okay, so they think it's at least active, yeah. right? Running around. But once they go and watch this side of it, mm-hmm. unless they're watching a highlight video and they're, they're just watching a game, most of the time everybody's just sitting there crossing up, shooting lanes. Right. And from a broadcast point of view, it's it's so... Paintball's a very complicated game when you, when you consider all the aspects. If it's right. like, you know, as a... Like pro players and teams playing each other, it's very complicated. Like even this layout, there is—I don't think there's been a layout in a while that has this many yeah. different. different uh, You're good. Just move a little closer. Different little variables that you can change um, in the game, and that stuff's so hard to explain because it's even—it's hard enough to say you know who shot who and who's doing what and who's playing. Um, let alone like what these little cross shots do and and the difference between shooting. <laughs> This lane, you know, two inches here, and this mm-hmm. lane, two inches there, right? Yeah. Um, so, that's that's really tough. And I think people, when I ha- when it, you know you start to get you know on your rant and you explain it to strangers about the game, you feel like you can talk about it for hours, right? Of how yeah. how complicated the game is, and people start to appreciate all of that stuff. It's not just like everybody's like, what makes you what makes people good at paintball? It's like, well, yeah. it's what makes someone good at basketball? You just put the ball in the hoop, but it's complicated, right? They, they know how to play defense to the right people. They know how to play. Their offensive schematic is, like, exactly tuned up to the team they're playing. Like mm-hmm. All these different variables that are the marginal gains to winning as a, at a pro yeah. level. So, you know. And I think that's what separates the really good players to the great players. Right. Right, are those little those little nuances of, of tendencies and yeah. you know and, and being able to being able to have that neuron flash in your head 
of making that decision two seconds faster than the guy across from you. Right. But but back to the point of like changing the format and changing four pods at the rate of fire or whatever, um, all the players that understand those nuances will adapt to that format, so I don't know if that's like necessarily the right move to make other people have an aha moment that paintball is what it is. They're like, oh, now I get it that this game has all these like little subtleties of different shots that you can do and how involved this game is. You know, I don't know if that's the case. The players will understand it, but that's the problem. The same pool is understanding the same changes. Mm-hmm. You know, the same reason why, you know, if if paintball were like the NBA or something, then I don't know, Clyde Drexler would still be playing or something, yeah. right? It's yeah. like <laughs> you look at the players and it's all the same because they understand how to adapt to the game. Um, and I think the if the North Star is more so having people being able to easily or easily like more easily adopt the game then maybe mm-hmm. you'll see new waves new waves and that's how you evolve anything right, right. so um, I don't know I guess I guess end rant is uh, you know maybe the format changes and stuff aren't the only answer to how to grow like, oh absolutely not right? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think anybody's saying that but it, the fact that it's always brought up and the bunker changes are always brought up and everything like that it's like uh, first tournament will come and it'll yeah, be a thing but what I think is what I think is good is that we're talking about it yeah right is is that it's not just a uh, you know ultimately you know the head the, the heads at the NXL will have the final decision right but I think they're hearing you know I'm not saying that they're listening to the podcast but I, I think more and more people are talking about it yeah. and it's just getting out there and I, and I feel like the players who are actually playing the game their voices are slowly being heard and helping influence and, and direct the sport of paintball because obviously we know everybody you know opinions are like assholes you know everybody has one and they right. all stink but um, for the most part <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's it's just that it, it's finding the right answer and it's it's the whole try and layer thing right and it's better said than not said like you're saying and this yeah. is a great I mean this is a perfect example of a great medium of getting it out there whether everyone hears it or not like as far as people in position to do anything it's just great that it's just out there so I appreciate it man yeah um, I have a I, I have kind of a question for you. Um, want to know your opinion on it? Do you think that when we went from semi-auto to ramping, do you think that hurt newer players coming into the sport, or do you think it gave them more confidence on being able to play the game? Um, I think that it sort of put a crutch on the players that came in at that time because I think when ramping came about is when coaching came about, and I think there were players that were brought on during. 15.4 ramp and coaching that played totally different, you know, then. Because now there's a lot of players that all they know is ramp. Right. And, uh, you know, to their credit, you did have to, like, adapting to the game to know exactly how to listen to your sideline coach and do exactly what they said was a great way to, you know, take advantage of that current style of play. Um, but I do think in the grand scheme of just being a well-rounded paintball player, I think it did put a little crutch on them, right? Because you see a lot of the top players in the game played through all of the formats because mm-hmm. they understand... It's not just coaching and ramping and go, 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 go. It's, you know, you let the game come to you, and there's a million ways the game can come to you, right? So Yeah, because I, I always think about that. I always ask myself that question because even at the top level, I see guys being able to hold a lane down with one finger mm-hmm. while they're loading 500 pods, right? right? And they're controlling this whole lane, and I'm like, you know, nothing against any of the pros in the league, but you think about it, I'm like, is that like really like the the only skill there is maybe his thought of being able to control this lane right as far as gun skills go or any kind of gun control i feel like it's like the gun is doing so much of the work when back when we played seven man yeah. and you played like you had to do the work 
on on volume if you wanted that, mm-hmm. or you know, and and maybe that's why, I, in my subconscious, maybe that's why I don't really shoot that much paint, or I only shoot how much I feel I need to shoot is because I like having that you know five balls of uh, semi-auto before right. it kicks you know kicks yeah. into ramping. Maybe I just subconsciously just like having that feeling of being in control of my marker. I noticed yesterday uh, when I was watching we were watching our match on the webcast last night and I think we both subconsciously still went semi because we both still go like this like the balls aren't <laughs> yeah, coming out that yeah. fast but you're like it's yeah. like 10 balls a second mm-hmm. just, you know so I miss shooting semi-auto so much yeah. dude and I think there's something I, I did I do miss the fact that it's responsive to your fingers right and everybody sort of rode the line with that and guns were shooting crazy you know rate of fires with semi-automatic but I do miss you know how responsive it was to your finger and what you're doing and the balls coming out right because yes. it's it's kind of Aggravating when the gun dictates the pace of the paint, and you're just like. I think a great metaphor is it, and how I think about it is that it's um. (laughs) For um, it's like driving a stick or an automatic. Yeah. Right. I I think it's those. I think it's the same thing, and I feel like, um, you know, the players now they think they have that gun control or or what it feels like to have gun control just because, I mean, I honestly all of the frames on the paintball markers now I feel like should be single trigger anyway. Because right. it's not like we need to walk the triggers at all. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I could see us going within a couple years, depending on whether or not the mechanical thing comes around, of everybody just shooting mechanical guns. Yeah. Because really, I mean, is there, I don't know, is there a need for electronic markers? Right. Beca- and or um, loaders. I mean, the the GI loaders up there, or if you think about, you guys shoot the... Uh, Falcon loader. Yeah, yes, the Falcon yeah. loader. Um does it need to feed 30 balls a second? Does it yeah. need to feed 20 balls a second? Right. You know? Um, yeah. And I think going back down in the rate of fire might help because, you know, like the quality control and it's not, it's just the way it works with any product is that, the you know, supply can't keep up with the demand and the way it does is by sacrificing the product sometimes. Yeah. So you play for your first time and you're getting pelted by a rock hard bullet right it's like <laughs> you i mean the, the i remember the first national tournament we played it was the first time we bought ultra evil at the time mm-hmm. right and it's pink fill and it was a white shell and that, that was like the uh, i was like wow yeah i remember like it was one of the first games and there was just like a jersey hanging out and it just break huge like flew as straight as anything could fly and it's yeah. like okay this is this is where it's at right mm-hmm. um so and but to back to your case when there's just more people playing the sport just because there's more people in the world right not right. to say the percent of people you know has gone up or gone down there's just more paint being you know fed to all these fields and tournaments and everything like that then um i do like the fact of it's hard to say they they I, they need to sell paint to do it but I, I miss the every every single time you play paintball it's with great paint right mm-hmm. so. we were just talking about that yesterday i was because uh, we practice we practice with either field paint or on very lucky weekends we get one star yeah and we practice for that and, and it's crazy um i was here you know yesterday and we, we got the paint and we started shooting it and i was shooting it and i was like thinking to myself how awesome it would be to be able to shoot this every single time and if anybody's listening out there it's like we we don't shoot five star at practice we don't do that all i mean i don't know right. what you guys do but um but we don't we're not able to shoot that at practice and to be able to come to these events and shoot straight and shoot at what you want to shoot at is like this is what it should be every single time yeah. that I play paint. We had uh we actually had our, our Falcon Gold for both practices and we're all just like ah. <laughs> so I mean you go to practice with your tournament paint and you're like oh we didn't 
We hardly lost any points. You're like, yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you know, right? <laughs> You're shooting. It's like playing basketball with a flat ball. So, anyway. Uh, let's see Let's see what everybody has to say on uh, on here, because we're also going live on uh, on Facebook. Carl, move you guys. Maybe. Well, th- it's just I have a camera here. So, oh, yours is kind of in the way. Is it? Let oh. me see if I can move that there. There, there we is go. Is that a little bit better for uh, everybody wants to see your face, Juby? Nice. So. Uh, but everybody's watching the web. I didn't expect anybody to really watch this on uh, Facebook, but it's more or less for uh, to upload on YouTube later. Yeah. Because um, everybody's watching the webcast. But um, but I want to I want to go back quick too uh, b- before we get out of here. But so yeah. you were on Voltage. Yep. And uh, how? Where did you go after Voltage? You fell apart, or I don't uh, really know what happened. At the to end of 06 Voltage, so we had that one really successful year, right? And that's mm-hmm. when uh, Ed and Greg Pauly, who was he was now coaching uh, Avalanche, so he, we were kind of in talks to basically take all of Voltage and, you know, make it half the Avalanche uh, X-Ball team, and then we would, That's have, right. That's we would right. have an Avalanche seven-man team, so we'd have two seven-man teams and two lines of an X-Ball team. Um, so did that, and then in the off-season, you know, as maybe just like a young, selfish player at the time, um, I got contacted to try out for the uh, All-Americans, and I was like, okay, I'll go. That's right, yeah. Um, and made the team, and I'm like, you know, this is this is the dream, right? This is, your, this is what you, you know, is playing for an upper echelon pro team. Uh, went, and it was fun. You know, that's when I won my first pro tournament. We won the World Cup uh, Millennium. That was, was your first win? Yeah. Wow. It was uh, Joy Division, and then we won, uh, we beat Joy Division again in Germany at Nürburgring, and then uh, played basically half the season, and then that's when I... And in that same year, left and came back to Avalanche and played with you guys from you know Omaha World Cup in the last uh, last half of that year. Yeah. So um, that was sort of that was the voltage transition, and then uh, so half of 07, uh, Avalanche, all of 08, Avalanche, 09 is or no 08 is the year we played in Excel. So after yeah. we won World Cup, we went to the NXL. We played the first half of the season, I think, and then disbanded seven man team still stayed uh, so i continued to play with the seven man team and i think that's when you went to infamous right yeah was it that year yeah yeah um so and the whole reason that happened was because and i don't know if you know this but i wanted to play because we um we were only playing seven men right at the time and i was like i i, I want to play expo i want to play as much paintball as possible right. um and ed was like no no, I'm not letting you. I was like, dude, I will find a team where it has exactly the same sponsors. That way there's no no nothing. He goes, he goes, no. And then I find out that Danny, he let Danny play for, oh, he let him play, he let him play for somebody. Infamous. Right? What? Wasn't he on Infamous? Probably for, for X-Ball. Maybe the next year. Okay. For, well, yeah. whatever it was, I, I heard that Danny was playing for somebody for X-Ball, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, all I want to do is play paintball, man. I want to play with Avalanche, but I also want to play X-Ball. Yeah, the other tournaments. Right? Or, yeah. And uh, and he goes, no, not happening. I was like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm done. I, I can't, I can't do it. I, and there there were more little things, you know, involved with that. But um, but that was the main reason. That's the main reason why I left. And, yeah. you know, and uh, looking back on it now, I, I feel like I should have just, I was just a dick and I should have just stayed. You know, and help try and grow that team because I think it was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was very selfish at that time. Um, that's also when Ed got out of the team because he let Frank yeah. run it. Um, yeah, and Frank that's did a, right. Frank that's did a good right. job, but the, the roster totally transitioned. I think in '09 we had like, you know, Billy Bernaccia, Thomas yeah. Antoni, uh, Sundabilis, Danny, myself, 
Jake yeah. Whitaker. So it was a totally different team than you know, mm-hmm. the Voltage. That's true. Teams, so. That's true. I forgot all about that. Frank's uh, Frank's pretty unique. New he's York. Yeah, he's a unique character. Yeah. I remember I almost got into a fight with him one time. Um, we were at a practice, and uh, I don't know if he was involved with the team or not, but I was like in the corner, or I was in the snake. He was in the corner, and I think it was a practice in California or something. And I go over there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sit, uh, loop around. Yeah, loop around a little bit. Um, but uh, he was like in the corner, and he gets shot and stands up, and I just kind of do one of those little snapshots, and I shoot him like right in the center of the chest, and he goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm just came out with a snapshot, and he like, you know, like came at me, and I'm like, he like lifted his gun. I lifted my gun up, and I think we both shot each other. And then after that happened. See, this is the great part about having the podcast here. We get all kinds of great, great players like NCAA Cole Roberts, everybody. Cole Roberts. Oh, hi. Am I alive? Are we live? You're live. Hey. You're live right now. Hello, uh, everybody. <laughs> What's up, Dan? How's you guys doing today? Uh, well, yeah. you guys are playing each other today, aren't you? You no, play each other. different bracket. No, we practice though. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Good practice. Yeah. So we're both ready to do well. Good to see, see you, bud. Um, yeah, Frank's a. He, I mean, he ran the team well, and I think he, think he treated us right because he came from a player's perspective. My goal in life, he's in our Clash Royale tournament. I don't know if you know what that game is, but my uh-uh. goal in life is to. He has more trophies than me, so I gotta <laughs> knock him out. Um, but he played. Uh, you guys, um, for seven man. Yep. I think it was at SC Village. Did you guys get like second place? Yeah, or we something? played second. Um, that's another one that like haunts me. You know, it's, you have these wins and losses, but I remember it was that seven man tournament in the finals, game three, and I lost a one on one against Arsenal in game three. <sighs> So it was uh, it, like a bunch of stuff happened, and it actually it actually went Who from a three it? on one. It was uh, he doesn't play anymore, but he was one of the Cali would know because he was on the team. Yeah, uh, I forget, but he was one of the original Arsenal guys. Um, but it actually came from a three on one to a one on one super quick, and I yeah. just got antsy and ball. I just remember like yesterday, ball hit the top of his bunker. I thought it sprayed, and I just lost focus. You know, thought I shot him, and then he just came out and whacked me. It's like, ah, so frustrating. Yeah. So. But it's little moments L- like that. that little, you, yeah, those little moments, man. That make you not happen. And that, do it again. It's crazy too, like how much paintball that uh, that you don't remember, or at least for me. And then how much of those little stupid memories that I have that like just, ugh, yep. that I just go back and got kicked myself. I know. Um, but no, that was a good year. And then, um, so at the end of that year, Avalanche was when all the Voltage guys were a little lost on where to play, right? Because they. Had, like, there was a couple of us, like Jake Whitaker was still on the team, um, but a couple of them had sort of not fizzled out of paintball, but we're kind of like, oh, we don't have a team, Avalanche isn't yeah. a thing. So the next year is when we all basically did the same thing we did from Voltage to Avalanche. We did it from Avalanche to Aftershock in 09. Yeah. So uh, we joined, I think, you know, Nick Sloviak and AJ Lawhead and... Speaking of AJ Lawhead, he's watching right now. Ooh. <laughs> and, Hi, AJ. Uh, can you hear everybody okay? Can you hear? Just give me a thumbs up emoji if you can. And Cody, those were the guys that were already on Aftershock that stayed, and the rest of us joined. Oh, Ian Martin is one I forgot to mention. He was on yeah. Seven Man with us, and he came, to, he came to uh, Aftershock. Do you remember? Do you remember when Ian uh, was in that parachuting accident? Oh yeah, and he <laughs> twice. Knocked his face off, <laughs> and he would go to the bar and he had fake teeth, and he'd look at people and knock his tooth out. And go, Hurry, <laughs> Ian, put your teeth back in. <laughs> now he's like a now he's like a chef or yeah. something like that. I see his po- photos on IG. He's like a chef in St. Louis. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. So, um. So after uh, Chicago Aftershock comes around, how yep. long are you on uh, on Aftershock for? It was that full 09 season, um, and we did pretty well. We made Sunday a couple times, you know, never made top four or anything like that. Um, and then at the end of 09, 
now that you say it a lot, I feel like I've switched teams a lot, but I, in my <laughs> mind, I feel like I haven't. But I guess yeah, I yeah. Have. Um, went to Vicious in 2010. That's, yeah, yeah. And played for them for my whole season, and I, I felt like that was the right camp because they played a lot of paintball, and I felt like they were young and hungry, and I felt like that was a little bit of something we were starting to lose our edge with um, that year on Aftershock. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to play as much as possible, so pretty much went to Omaha almost every weekend, and we just played a ton of paintball. Yeah. Know, tons and tons of paintball. Um, but it never really quite clicked. And they, they were a great camp, and they were very, you know, hospitable and everything like that. Um, but it basically spent a year there, and then the next year went back to Aftershock. So, yeah. Um, then played on shock. So that was now 2011, and played on shock that year. That was the that was the uh, the Vegas win. That right? was the Vegas win. That was uh, one night in November. That was my first like you know, the Millennium win with Philly was great, and the World Cup uh, Avalanche win was great. And we had a, divisional wins, right? But the only pro win I had had at that point was Millennium, and that pro win was, oh my god, it was insane. So, because um, that was the definition of, you know whatever you want to call it, right? Shoestring budget. You know, we we loved paintball to death and we grew up playing with each other, but we just toppled, you know, that was the year Oliver came back to Dynasty and that mm-hmm. is that was the team growing up and we yeah. beat them in the finals. It was like, oh my God, this is this is amazing. Well, there's so, some, I think there's something too about a seven-man win yeah. that's that's different. I mean, it's just, I, I, I have so many second places. I never had a seven-man win yeah. uh, during my career and it, it's, that was something special. And I could tell, you know, I was out of the sport at the time. Yeah. Um, but but seeing you guys do that of guys that I know, and I was like, I was so happy. And it was perfect because everyone had, like, a huge moment at the event, right? It's like we played Impact in the semifinals. I think so shot every single one of them, right? Um, and then, you know, finals, we all had our moments. Like, we all had our big moments in the game, which mm-hmm. was, I think, a, a great part. It, it, you know, it's... I, th- I think that made it really special for everyone to not only have that you know moment of winning together, but they each individually kind of had their moment of like you know contributing right. to the team. So it was just it was perfect. It was it really was. I think that's the the, the best way to describe a, uh, a su- successful team at an event is like if quote unquote the superstar isn't playing that well, somebody else steps up in that role, and everybody you know everybody plays to their ability, right? Every yeah. and it, and it kind of goes like this with the, all the different players throughout the event. Yeah, and. Um, you know, you know, with uh, with winning that event, I'm sure, I, you know, that what what was the game that you had? Fucking stellar uh, game three of was, the finals. Yeah, I think they they just kept throwing the snake. It was like Mouse, then Alex, and it was just like down the line, dead, down the line, dead. Yeah, uh, shot Yo, shot Greenspan, shot Glenn. So uh, collect them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do, and that was no that was no team to uh, shake a stick at. No, I mean all those guys are superstars. Yeah. And that was green. That was green aftershock. That was green aftershock. That was the first of, year of green aftershock. Do you uh, like those jerseys? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think blue is the legacy, though. So I think <laughs> there's no steering away from that. So, um, but yeah, green was cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, every time I saw those green jerseys, I was like, dude, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I like it, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't get used to them. I like the thought process though, because it was kind of like uh, you know, old aftershock was, you know, was the bee's knees but mm-hmm. for the new aftershock so it came with a new new vibe new new color or whatever so that was sort of yeah. our mantra so maybe that's why i like the uh the gray jerseys that we have yeah. this year yeah I, I i would rather wear those gray ones than the blue ones yeah hopefully rennick doesn't take that offensively or anything <laughs> i don't like the blue i like the gray but yeah. it's something different it's it, it's it's kind of a new like a breath of fresh air kind of a thing yeah but at the end of it, I just do what he says because you walk into exactly. walk into BBT and you see all these trophies. You're like, all right, I'll listen. I'll listen. All right, you. man, whatever you want. You know what you're I talking about. <laughs> I get it. Uh, um, and that was that was 2011, uh, 2011. And you were with 
that you you were on that team, right? No, no, you weren't. Uh, when I when I got on in thirteen. No. Yeah. So thirteen. So at the end of eleven, we took uh, shot guys because Damian and Brad played with us on aftershock yeah. that year, and then we all went to infamous. So it's kind of always. You know, besides the vicious move for myself, we kind of always traveled in packs. We're like, five mm-hmm. to here, five to here, five yeah. to here, five to here. Um, and then in 2012 was when we went to Infamous um, as a group. So it was myself, Brad, Damian. They, they played World Cup, but uh, Zach Patient, Chris Sosin, we all came to uh, Infamous Yeah, so, 2012. Was that kind of a, uh, a collective decision? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Damian... <laughs> Well, duh, right? <laughs> was the one that sort of instigated it. He's like, let's come, yeah. to, come to Infamous. It'll be sweet. Um, talk to Travis and talk to him that off season, and he's like, yeah, well, I want your whole squad, you, you five guys over, because it was at the time I think he was losing some of his aftermath, uh, you know, port overs like Marcelo right. and uh, you know whoever else they had. So yeah, it was sort of a collective decision. Um, and then it feels good. You don't feel as guilty because it's not like you're breaking up with all your girlfriends on the team, right? You're like, <laughs> oh, we're all going to go? All right, let's go. Yeah, you know? yeah. Except, sorry, AJ didn't work. So if he's watching, <laughs> and Cody. So, but yeah. So was, w- what was the, um, so going into uh, this season. Yeah. Because uh, I want to skip ahead a little bit because we got we to gotta get uh, wrapping up a little bit. Um, going into this season, you know, uh, especially from from last, every everybody started kind of dropping off, and I think it was you and Rob who were kind of the last ones left. Yeah. Right. Kind of on the fence. Not not really sure what to do because, you know, uh, the future wasn't so bright um, because we just didn't have the players. We didn't know who's gonna who's gonna jump in, who we were gonna add, what was gonna go on. Uh, Bruno was on the fence. Yeah. Whether or not he was gonna coach. Yeah. Um, what uh, what was your Final, de- well, we know your final decision, but what was kind of running through your head about next year? Um, you know, I think I just missed the infamous program. You know, I became really good friends with a lot of people on the team, playing with them for it's, a, it's the team I've played on the longest in my entire career, right? I think this mm-hmm. is my 12, 30, 40, 5th season with them. So yeah. um, I just missed it, and I, it, I felt bad kind of the way I, you know, I left the team in the first place. I kind of made the decision by myself, and I realized, you know, how many, how many people in my life including myself that it affected and it really really made me realize that you know maybe I didn't make the right decision and maybe I did it for the wrong reasons right to come back and like fulfill your Chicago legacy and have this like great aftershock team it's kind of just which was always on the verge I feel like was was always on the verge but maybe that was all for myself man and I don't know if that's like the right way to really make any decision Um, and it just didn't really feel right you know so you know, I've got, you know, my wife is a huge supporter of paintball, and she was like, you know, I didn't, I was, you didn't even tell me you were going to quit the team, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just doing it, you know, I, I, yeah. I just want to go back, I feel like it's the right move, I feel like these kids are hungry, and... You're talking about from infamous from to... From infamous to aftershock, yeah. these kids are hungry, and we're, we're going to do great, and then, you know, not to say that when we had a bad season, I was just like, I'm out of here, but it was, it's, at the end, it's just like, you know, I, I don't think that I made the right decision, you know, that's, that was my third time coming back to aftershock, mm-hmm. um... And as much as, you know, sometimes maybe a square peg doesn't fit into a round hole, you know, so. And you wanted to. You you wanted to, and I feel like Yeah, that's... and I think it was just from us, maybe, I don't know where the, and I don't know if it was, like, ego-driven or what. I just, it just, I don't know. I think, you know, this sport makes you mature in a lot of ways, right? And mm-hmm. I think uh, last year I just realized that Infamous is where, you know, I need to play. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, play as hard as I can and give it all I can and I'm not gonna 
You know, I'm not going to just dick around in the sport for 10 years and just ride it just because I can play pro, right? It's like, I'm gonna, I want to be on that team, and I, I know, I feel like it's, it's where I won my first, you know, X-Ball event, and just feel like this is this is the program for me. So yeah. I think that was ultimately the right decision, right? Um, yeah. So. And, yeah, and that's the thing with... That's the thing with decisions, right? And choices. You don't know if you made the right choice yeah. until you've made it. And even after that, you still don't know. Right. You know, because uh, you, you just, in life, you just have to make those decisions yeah. and kind of just hope that you made the right one. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And even if it, even if it doesn't work out, you can't let that just be the end-all, be-all. Right. You know, you have to continue and you have to push forward. And, you know, I, it, it, it sucked that for me when I heard that you left because I feel like you were one of the better players in the team um, you have contributed so much to the team and uh, you know it, it, it sucks and I feel like we've become really good friends over the years and it was just sucked to see every to you go and see everybody go and um, but you know out of anything that I wish you the best you know I, and I wish you the best that, you know this year and everything and I think that uh, I think that you've been a, good, a great fit for the program, um, just like any team that you've ever been on, I feel, I feel like you're you're a good fit and you contribute. And um, it was really cool to see you grow from when I first, you know, met you on uh, an avalanche and growing up and seeing you, seeing you where you are now. You know, I, I think it's really cool, and I um, I wish you the best of luck, man. Appreciate I really that. do. Yeah, appreciate that. Who you play today? Uh, we play Impact first, and then we played Boom. So, and I think uh, Impact lost their out of bracket. Boom lost to Impact, so... Impact lost to uh, Iron Man. We played yeah. Iron Man today. Iron Man looked solid yesterday, mm-hmm. so... Um, yeah, looked good, so... I think it's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be a fun fun tournament. Who do you I guys play? We play pretty good. Um, we play Iron Man, we play uh, Outlaws. Okay. And um, let's talk about our game for, yeah. for just a quick minute. Um, what, uh, what did you see on this field that was working or was not working? Um... You know, I think the Dorito side played really fast at practices, um, and it's still playing, you know, as an aggressive side, but some the way that, that Dorito side of the wall can play and just roll off on each bump, it makes yeah. it tough to, especially in, you know, big points, to, you basically almost have to, without the confirmed like, communication, you're making the bump line, so it's, yeah. it's sort of slowed down because you have to wait to find all the bodies. And you have to know if he's on the snake side or the Dorito side before you can just risk it, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen people make the moves down the Doritos and run and shoot the guy, or the guy just misses them, and that's, you know, that's that's a almost thing. by chance, right? Um, yeah. But so that that's sort of how that that side is played out. I think people are starting to figure out the shots through the windows on people running up the middle because there's a bunch of different routes you can take to shoot different spots on the break. Does this W seem? Do the windows seem smaller? They do seem lower, lower but when, like when we walked the field, I looked at it and it was brand new and it was just super inflated and I could I could barely even see I always have to kind of stand on my tiptoes yeah. to see the landing zones of the spots um, but it felt really tall and then yeah yesterday it felt like I could get up in there and pretty much shoot the landing zone of D1 yeah, your window went from this to yeah. this like looking through it it's crazy um, right um, but back to the I guess back to the field and then so um, the snake side I think too is the sleeper cell it's like uh, yeah it's it's a it's a great snake and people are getting down it and I mean Thomas did work for us yesterday he made yeah. some really sneaky moves because it surprised is, the shit out of me is, and I spun so hard on <laughs> <laughs> we watched it last time on the webcam. you go back in the pit and you have like a hit right in your back <laughs> you surprised the shit out the of best me. was LJ we were laughing we were we played it a couple of times LJ murdered Thomas's face Thomas oh came my around God. and just went doo, doo, and he, yeah goes, he said he saw <laughs> his barrel and he was just like <laughs> Uh, and then the one, the one where Thomas ran down um, 
to come do me oh, and the yeah. snake on our side, yeah. he missed me. He put one through my jersey, and that's why I lifted it up and looked at it, and oh, I was like... Oh, you rolled backwards? Yeah. I think, no, you shot from your pack. No, I got shot in my pack from uh, your corner guy. Oh. Your guy was in the corner. After I shot Thomas and I landed, yeah. I got shot in the asshole by the guy in the, uh, in the corner. Okay. And that's when Thomas saw the hits in my pack, but it was actually after I I jumped over, I shot him, I jumped over and landed, and I got I got shot by the guy that was in your corner. Gotcha. But Thomas completely missed me. Yeah, but no, that snake's good. Um, it's really hard to keep track of that guy because you can't Super hard. you can't keep track of him down the wire, right? Because he can do a little like little easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are if you know where he's at, there's a lot of bounce shots in the snake, which makes it hard. Yes. That's why, you know, the webcast is saying, you know, he needs to come to their side of the snake. It's like, actually, he's going to go there, and they're going to shoot that 50 yeah. cake and bounce mm-hmm. him to death. So, uh, it's almost you want to you want to try and take those inside shots as less as possible because the more you can play the outside of that snake, yeah. the, the less they're going to know where you're at on the inside, and yeah. you can... At least that's how I was kind of looking at it. Yeah, and the wall's great in the snake too because there's like uh, I mean you have do have shots on the knuckles, but it's like you move with the pins and you have just one narrow shot. It's not yeah. like it's not like the kind of wall where you can stand down on the dude, see him crawling or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. But it's also great because they get to your side of the snake, maybe late body, and there is a pin right in the way of the wall. So yes. it's actually pretty hard to get the wall out from the snake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which in, at practice we could see the wall guy. Yeah. Which fucked us up because I I walked it and I was like shit. I was killing that wall guy at practice, and then I get there, and I, there was there was like two or three times where I crawled in to try and try and push it a little bit to see Damien in the W. Yeah. I just couldn't see him. Yeah. He was playing that thing so tight. Yeah. And you guys also played that. Uh, I think it was Cody or somebody played the pin. Yeah. Played the pin on the Dorito side. Yeah. That worked really well. Yeah, Cody killed it. Our uprising game. I think he ran through pretty much off the break to that pin and shot like four dudes. Yeah. That was nasty. I like that play because I go, I went behind him to the corner. <laughs> He's running. I'm like, all right, dead, 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 dead. I'll just go to Dorito. Eyes, <laughs> cool. Flag. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get ready for your game and everything. I really appreciate it, and cool. uh, I wish you the best of luck. And thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Drew, for sitting down and talking to me. I know we talked about this before, but uh, I told you I'd get you on. And <laughs> I wanted to get you on anyway, but um, but thank you so much for sitting down and, uh, and chatting with me at World Cup. It was a great pleasure. I had a great time, and uh, and I'm sure we'll talk in the future. But um, but another quick shout-out to our sponsors, uh, Charm City Paintball, where you can find him over at uh, on Facebook as well as Instagram. Check out all, of the, uh, all the stuff he has over there and shoot him a message and get yourself some sweet headgear. Also to GI Sports, who have been helping Aftershock out for a while, uh, but have helped out teams throughout the league. But uh, I really enjoy shooting the LVL loader. Like I said before, make sure you guys check them out, gisports.com. Also brought to you by Carbon Paintball, where if you use the promo code capital TPOP, you can get 10% off of your order, your entire order. which has all the new CC lines out, the SC, the new SC packs, um, also the, uh, the Thermotech pods, which change color the longer they stay in your pack. Um, make sure you guys check them out, carbonpaintball.com. And last but not least, Planet Eclipse with the new, uh, new G Tech mechanical frame that is out, along with a plethora of uh, awesome markers that they have, including the LVR, which I shoot. Um, but 
thank you so much to all of our sponsors and thank you to you out there listening very much appreciated um if uh you know i I think about this all the time of um of, of putting these things out and i just i enjoy it and i get so much feedback from everybody out there and uh it's it's very enjoyable for me uh, to be able to put these out, and I'm glad everybody is liking them and 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 listening and having a good time, and uh, that's all it's about, man. Just, everybody has a paintball story. Uh, go to any paintball field, and you will hear a paintball story. But uh, but to be able to put this out there for everybody in the world is is great, and I'm I'm very very uh, grateful and, uh, and to be able to do this. So thank you for everybody. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me. On uh, social media, it's Carl underscore Markowski on Instagram or uh, Carl Microwave Markowski on Facebook. So, thank you again, everybody, and we will hear you. We will hear. (laughs) You'll hear from me. Um, We'll see you again soon here on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.